Fear not, stand still, and see. These are three uh, imperatives or commanded words, and these are very hard to follow. At least I know for me, they can be very difficult to follow. And the realities of life hit when troubling situations happen, when the noise of the world just keeps coming at us, we are so prone to easily waver. And um, so I, last week I turned 30, and I shared this because I'm telling everybody, uh, not to get happy birthdays, but because I need it to be more of a reality for myself. Um, it doesn't feel real, it didn't feel real, and I'm still trying to make it more real. And why is this a big deal for me? Um, some of you may be wondering. Those of you that have already hit 30 and seen other milestones, it doesn't seem like such a big deal, maybe. Maybe even those of you younger than me, 30 doesn't seem like such a big deal. But for me, growing up as a kid, I decided on my own, no one told me, I decided that 30 was when you were old. I don't know why. Um, I honestly don't think that now I'm trying to fight it. Uh, but it, it, it was something that I just saw someone getting your older and I'm like, oh, they're a good person. I don't know. Um, and if I back up five years to when I was 25, I had the very, this is very real, quarter of a life crisis. It was, it was not a fun time for me. So I thought I already went through with this internal crisis. I thought I had my reality check of the decade, like of the, of the stage of life. I didn't think I was gonna hit another one. And then two weeks before I turned 30, I just started getting really nervous. I don't know why. It just kind of washed over me. And I started wondering, is my life gonna be over? It's so dramatic, I know, but I, I was like, what's going on? I had all these questions swelling through my head, and I'll keep the rest of them up here. Uh, but there was just a lot. And I think I'm not alone in this that a lot of times when we have these feelings of mystery, of pain, of um, just fear, we get so consumed by it. And we think that either the worst will happen or we're not sure what's going to come. And when all these thoughts keep coming through, we have a tendency to ignore God or forget that he's even there, that he is says he is, no matter what happens, even if there is something scary, even if there is pain, that God is still good in all of that. And this is something that the Israelites in our text for today, they were ignoring God's faithfulness as they were being chased by the Egyptians. And so for those of you visiting for the first time, we've been going through this book called The Story, and the story is an abridged version of the Bible. And so we've already breezed through Genesis. We've talked about Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, um, we've talked about Jacob, Joseph, and now here we are in the book of Exodus. And we're looking at Moses and how God is so faithful and worked through Moses' life. And I want to give us a quick recap just to make sure that we're all on the same page here. Um, at the start of Exodus, it begins in chapter 1 with identifying who uh, the brothers of Joseph were. And it talks about how all of them at this point have now died. 
But it says in verse 6 to 7, the Israelite people were fruitful, and they increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong, so that the land was filled with them. So this first chapter continues with saying that there was also a new king. There was new Pharaoh didn't know who Joseph was. And he saw that the Israelite people were growing, and he said, oh, okay, we need to manage this. If we don't control this, they're going to overpower us. So what did Pharaoh do? He had the Israelites enslaved, and he had their newborn sons killed. And so this is where Moses comes in. Moses was born, his mom puts him in the basket, Pharaoh's daughter finds him, he becomes her son. Um, there's a lot of stuff that happened. We fast forward to God speaking to Moses through the burning bush and calling him to bring his people out of Egypt, out of captivity. Then we see there's a lot of back and forth between Moses, uh, Aaron, Moses' brother, and Pharaoh. And in all of this, we see that God remembered the covenant he had with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. This promise that he was going to deliver his people out of 400 years of living in this foreign land of Egypt in bondage. So looking at our specific text for today, we're at the part of the story where Pharaoh has let the Israelites go, and then he quickly changes his mind. And so the Egyptian armies and Pharaoh are now chasing after them. And so remember, God has promised to deliver the Israelites. He's already shown his power even through the plagues. But then we see in verse 10 of chapter 14 that when Pharaoh and the Egyptians came near, the Israelite people cried out and they complained to Moses. How often have you and I complained right after we were singing praises to God? He's shown himself to be so present, so powerful in our lives, that we just turn around and then complain because he hasn't given us what we want right when we want it. God gives us so many explicit promises in his word. He, we have seen him come through in the testimonies of our own lives and the lives of those around us. But yet when things get difficult, we turn away as though God has failed us. The Israelites said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us? They later continued, Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. This seems like a grass is always greener on the other side moment. The Israelites they wanted to escape from Egyptian captivity, but when they were out of it in the wilderness and then being chased by them, they wanted to go back and to serve them, saying it would have been better there. If things were not better under captivity, yet the Israelites couldn't see this because they were in the midst of struggle. They were scared. They wanted to go back. When things become more daunting, when we, we start to complain, when we wish we could go backwards. Though many of us have been delivered from sin, when we're facing struggles we didn't expect to face afterwards, we fall back into that original way of sinful living. And we remember that once we're saved, that salvation can't be taken away from us. But while we're still on this earth, there's a great tendency for 
for us to lean back in us, to go back into the life we were living, no matter how painful or how toxic that was. Notice something else here about the Israelites' complaints. Their complaints identify Egypt, they identify Moses, they identify themselves, but their complaints have no acknowledgement of God in this situation. Moses was obeying the Lord. He was doing as God had called him to do. Yet the Israelites ignored God in the equation and they just wanted to point fingers at Moses. But we see in verse 13 to 14, Moses brings it back and he points to God and names him. In response to the Israelites, is, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. And then he continues, the Lord will fight for you. And you only have to be silent. The verse right after this, God rebukes Moses and he says, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. And then the Lord repeats to Moses what his plan has been. He said this uh, numerous times and continues with it. And God uses the pillar of thought by leading the Israelites to then go behind them so that there would be separation between Egypt and Israel. And then this wasn't part of our text for today, but if we skip all the way forward to verses 30 to 31, it says, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hands of the Egyptians. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord, and in his servant Moses. God is, and was, and will still be faithful. Again, what's funny is that the Israelites, they're only looking at themselves. They're viewing this from a lower story perspective. When the story was not about them, but rather all about God's glory. Which God can see from the whole upper story perspective. And God repeats this to Moses a handful of times, that this deliverance of the Israelites is for him to be glorified. But even with that, the Israelites live in panic. There's so much in this world that we, we live in that causes us to look only at ourselves. That we barely make room to look at other people, let alone to remember and look to God. We're like the Israelites. We're consumed with our immediate circumstances that we lose sight of the bigger picture. But thank God that he sees the whole picture, that he is faithful. So with this story of faithfulness, how do we respond to God. What do we do? And I, I want to help us remember the imperatives that Moses used here, that fear not, stand firm, and see. First, fear not. Jesus reminds us in the New Testament, in the book of John, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. We don't need to fear because God is faithful and he's with us. And Jesus is talking about his Holy Spirit that he's given to us. The Holy Spirit is here working in us, through us, around us. He's working in the upper story perspective within our own story. And we don't know what's to come uh, maybe after college. We don't know what's to come you know, when we reach a milestone age. We don't know what's to come even when we hit after retirement. But we see here that we don't need to fear. And remember what God said 
to Moses in this, we move forward. We move forward out of the fear and faith. We don't know what this next election will bring. But we move forward, whatever happens, trusting that the Lord is in control and that he will make himself glorified in the days that follow. As a church, CPCLM, which is changing week after week, we fear not. We continue to move forward, to grow, and to trust that the Lord has opened the path for us to move forward in, even if it doesn't look the way that it looks in other communities or churches around. God's rebuke in the text saying, go forward. And some of us here, we may be whining like the Israelites or feeling stuck because of mistakes we've made in the past, or maybe we're so concerned about how our families, our friends, our co-workers will look at us if we were to wholeheartedly obey God with our lives. But we can't let that fear hold us back. Fear not. No matter what that fear may look like, we go forward while making sure that, of course, we don't go ahead of God and we don't try to take the place of God. Which leads me to the next imperative, to stand firm or stand still. So this sounds very like opposites, right? You just told me go for it, and now I'm saying stand still. Uh, but this standing still, this standing firm means in trying times where we can be at peace. We can be confident in God that he will lead the way, he will lead us through. We can't try to solve everything on our own. And we expectantly look to the Lord for his call and his leading. As we stand firm in confidence of the Lord, we can find peace in the truth of his faithfulness. So what does this really look like? How can we practice this? We can take time to recall what God has done in our own lives. Maybe you have had a, what seems to be a grandiose, like, sea-splitting moment. But take time to look at the moment when God revealed himself to you, when he made himself known to you. Maybe you're not yet there, maybe that's not where you are uh, in your journey. You can pause and just look at everything around you. Look at your family, your friends, your possessions, the food on the table. See God's faithfulness in your life. That even whatever we deal with, we can stand firm in confidence in the Lord because he is so faithful. He'll get us through the scary situations, through the challenging times, and we know this because of his displays of faithfulness all throughout scripture and within our lives. Which leads me to the final imperative, the final commanding word, to see. See the salvation of the Lord. For the Israelites, this was quite literal. They could see, see the safety, see how God is delivering you, period. How God has saved your life. The Lord will save you from death. And in this, too, I want to know that Israelites had a mediator. They were, they were speaking to and through Moses, who then in turn spoke to God. And God spoke to and through Moses to the Israelites. Today, we don't need to find someone to be our mediator for us to speak with God. We have the perfect and greatest mediator. We have Jesus Christ. We were trapped in our sinfulness and impending death, but Jesus Christ took our place on the cross and paid the debt for all of our sins 
so that we could then have eternal life with him, so that we could cross over from what this looks like to be death and go all the way through to eternal life in a relationship with him. See the salvation of the Lord. Let's not be like the Israelites who forget the faithfulness of God and all he's done for us. Let's go forward and confirm in Jesus Christ. Now there may be some of you here still living in this captivity of sin, feeling comfortable in the pain, or not sure what, what's going on, how to get out. But God is calling you. He's calling you to receive his grace and his mercy, to experience freedom from all the weight of this world. You can't earn this kind of freedom. You can't pay it back. But this salvation, all you can do is receive it from the Lord. Move forward into a life that is transformed by Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is calling you to him. He wants to be in a real, intimate relationship with you and is calling for you to believe and receive him as Lord and Savior. Church, may we be renewed by the truth of God's faithfulness. May we move forward knowing him and making him known to all of those around us. And may we remember these imperatives to fear not the world, to stand firm in confidence in Jesus Christ and see his salvation transform our lives and the lives of all of those around us. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are, that you are Lord. And God, we thank you so much for your word, for helping us to see more about the truths of who you are, Lord, and who we are in light of you. And God, we confess that there are so many times we get consumed with just what we see here in this lower story, with what's right in front of us, that we forget to look to you and turn to you. And God, we pray for your help to really um, show us how real you are, how present you are, that you love us, that you'll never leave us or forsake us. And God, we ask to be able to hear your voice so clearly. Would you guide us? Would you lead us? Would you help us to fear not, to stand firm in you, and to see you in your salvation? All these things we pray in your holy name, Jesus Christ.